Hey everyone, welcome back to the Save It for the Blind podcast. My name is Carson Odegaard and I'm the Hunt Program Coordinator for CWA. We have a great podcast slated for you guys today. Uh, two guests across from me, we have Brad Jones, who is CWA's Director of Development. And to his left, we have John Sandbeck, who is the founder of the Northern California's Filthy Spoon podcast, as well as a life member of CWA, I believe. Yep, that's true. Welcome, you guys. Appreciate it. So right Glad now we're sitting in uh, CWA's headquarters, our podcast studio, and we are, what, three days out from duck season? Yep, yep. What's down to it. What's your guys' plans? Well, I'm getting a bunch of hate on my own podcast, but I'm going to be deer hunting this weekend. Okay. I got a X zone tag to fill, and I haven't filled it yet. So, hey, priorities, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Duck season's calling, a long time. They started calling it the Filthy Muley podcast because that's all we was talking about last week. But uh, our, our fields ain't quite ready, anyhow. Normally, okay. I try to get on a refuge. I didn't get drawn for a hunt through CWA or mm-hmm. the uh, refuge. So, I'm not. You know, I was probably going to have to sit around and sweat line it anyway, so yeah. I don't feel too guilty. But. Yeah, no. If I, yeah. If you can get out hunting, whether it's <laughs> deer hunting or duck hunting, it's still hunting. Yep, yep. I, I, and we got, uh, supposedly, I got a guy up there who's got eyes on a decent buck, so hopefully I can get okay. the deal done. Who knows? I might even get it done Friday, and I still might be hunting. Yeah, Friday, so. <laughs> best of both worlds. Positive vibes, man. We'll yeah, see. definitely. Brad, what do you got? Well, I'm going to head over to the uh, Butte Sink Barbecue on Friday afternoon. Uh, C- CWA puts on every year, and... Uh, get together and meet some of our major donors yeah. and, and attendees and uh, enjoy the afternoon. And then uh, off to my uh, uh, brother's uh, duck club in Lambertville. Okay. And then Saturday we have the uh, CWA Lambertville luncheon. There you go. So kind of talking about um, the Butte Sink Barbecue and that sort of thing. So what is your role with CWA and how did you come into that role? What, what, got, what led you here? Well, um, in, in my uh, professional career, I was a uh, – um, I've kind of had a few different roles. And in my early life, uh, I was a uh, – I uh, worked for Heineken USA. I was a, okay. a, a manager of uh, northern Nevada, northern California. I had 27 distributors, and uh, I did that until about 2008. And then uh, I started my own construction company. And, uh, and I did that until about 2019, 2020. Uh, retired from that, and basically um, the reason I joined CWA is because, I well, I've been a life member. I've been – my mentors in life have all been past board members and chair, um, and they've always encouraged me to get involved with CWA and get back to the, um, the, the resource, the organization, do what I can. And I always told them that someday I will do something. And when I saw the position of uh, director of development and uh, what the role entitled, um, I gave it a try and interviewed, and I uh, was lucky enough to get the position. Yeah, and, and so what are you what are you doing for CWA currently? So I've been here since May of mm-hmm. uh, 2023, and uh, the role of a development director is basically to be the 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 chain uh, the link in the chain that connects you the member to the organization and I develop those relationships with our donors our members anybody that wants to get through to any to to the organization I'm the guy yeah and uh, I love talking with people I, I love spending time with people 
I love talking <laughs> and I love talking about duck hunting. And um, so it's, it's a great position for me to help the organization bring in more money mm-hmm. um, through our major donors definitely, and, uh, and so on. So, yeah, no, it's, it's great. And you've been doing a great job so far. We'll keep it up down the road. Thank you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to meeting all the members out there and, and really uh, establishing a, a relationship with everybody, yeah. um, you know, to, to forward the organization. Good. John, what about you? What, what about your professional career? Well, I've been a diesel mechanic most of my adult life. Okay. I think it's not about 19. I've been working on stuff. And uh, John, do you identify as a uh, blue-collar worker? I'm pretty blue-collar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I sit behind a desk now, but that ain't always been that way. I got the, <laughs> I got the hands to show it. They still ain't ever healed up. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been a year and a half or so now that I've been in the office. It's just kind of natural evolution of things. I'm yep. kind of getting to be the older guy around and worked for the company a long time. So now I'm the shop manager. Gotcha. And uh, we're a local, you know, diesel repair company, and we do all kinds local of Local out of where? Lincoln. Lincoln, okay. California. Yep. Very nice. So not far from here. No, not far at all. About 15 minutes from where we're recording right now. So. Perfect. And then what got you What got you into podcasting? Because I know you have your own. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been wanting to do this since like 2019. Okay. Um, I'm kind of loudmouth. I consider myself an undiscovered comedian. Uh, <laughs> I like talking duck hunting. I, I mean, I, I love duck hunting. Yeah. And I got into podcasts through a friend of a friend. I didn't even know what they were, I think, until like 2016. When I first looked, there was none back then. Yeah. I literally, I, none about waterfowl hunting. And then I found the end of the line podcast. I don't know if you ever heard of that one, but that was a really good one out of the South. And I was just enthralled with it. It's like, mm-hmm. this is great. And then there started being a few more come online and I'm like, man, I can do this. Sit here yeah. and talk about duck hunting, yeah. you know, and there were still wasn't. And I mean, as of now, other than you guys, you know, and you're just getting going, there wasn't any Northern California. Yeah, we're definitely. very you know, important part of the Pacific Flyway. And I'm like, there's nobody out here talking about that. There's some guys down in like the grasslands. I know I've heard of them guys, but there was nobody up in this area. Mm-hmm. And Robert, my buddy who runs my duck club, you know, he's kind of a more techie guy than I am. And I was on him since like 2019. Let's get this rolling. Let's get this rolling. And he finally, this uh, April, uh, maybe it's because I bugged him so much. I don't know, but he figured out how to get the thing going and we got some equipment and it's just, it's been going great. Every week's better than the one before, and it's its just been a blast. I mean, that's how we met Brad, and yeah, um, we've met all kinds of cool people, you know. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like your passion for the podcast kind of developed from your passion for waterfowling and wanted to share yeah. with other people. So where did your passion for waterfowling come from? Does, was that something that you always did, or was that an adult no, thing? No, no. Uh, I grew up in Nevada County, Grass Valley. Okay. And I was kind of a feral kid. I ran around pretty wild, you know, um, not a lot of supervision. But I had an older brother, and a lot older. He was out of the house by the time I can remember. He's an aircraft mechanic, and he he left town, never came back. And uh, But he would come back and pick me up, and we'd go deer hunting, we'd go fishing, we'd go turkey hunting, pheasant hunting. And, I mean, I always looked forward to it because, you know, it'd be a day out of school or whatever yeah. a lot of the time because he had a yeah. weird schedule, and it'd be like, hey, you ain't going to school anymore. Your brother's picking you up. And it's like, yes. And so from a young age, I didn't get to do it a whole lot because he was a busy guy, but I always loved it. And then when I got into my, um, you know, like adult teens and early 20s, then I started doing my own hunting a little bit. But waterfowl, especially being from the foothills, there's no duck hunting culture. Yeah. 
and this was pre-internet days, so it wasn't really, I mean, it's kind of hard to break into. And so I eventually, about mid-20s, I ended up deer hunting with a guy that was a big duck hunter. I'm like, man, I always want to do it. He took me out, and that was it. I never turned back. I mean, it gotcha. was, uh, one time we went to Gray Lodge, and, it, you know, I can't remember how many ducks we shot, but we, we got some birds, and it was a good time. And I've always had Labradors. Yeah. And finally, it's like I got a good use for my dog. You know? <laughs> yes. And uh, I've never turned back since then. It's been a 365-day, you know, part of the podcast is I get to keep duck season kind of going all yeah. year round with it. You yeah, know? definitely. So that's that's how I came to be. And I, that's why I got a little soft spot for guys getting a little later. I wasn't, you mm-hmm. know, I was mid, mid-20s, I think, when we got going with it. And, you know, it's a tough deal to break into. Oh, 100%. You know? And... uh I was fortunate enough to have one buddy, and that's all it took. And I, I really try to pass it forward by I help a lot of guys at the shop that, you know, have never had an opportunity to do it. And yeah, no, that's great to pass it forward, like you're talking about, because I see a lot of you know the 20 to 30 year olds coming out, and and as people who are experienced hunters, we know that this probably is a passion that has the biggest hurdle to get into and do it effectively. Yeah. Um, and if you can, you know, bring out just one person a year, that's one more person that, you know, can pass on the hunting heritage to somebody else. And, and there's a lot of people out there that need those those mentors because it is such a difficult uh, hobby to pursue effectively and to do yeah. it legally. Um, and so what you're doing is great. That's that's awesome. So, Brad, where, where did your passion start for waterfowl? Well, <clears throat> mine started a long, long time ago, uh, about 1980. Uh, I was about eight years old. My dad, <clears throat> my dad uh, uh, took me out. Uh, he had a we had a family duck club. I'm going to try to give you the trimmed down version. Too, hey, by the way. whatever you need. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we had a duck club in uh, Lambertville, which is up by the Sacramento Refuge here in the Sacramento Valley. And um, I was about six years old when he first started taking me out in the duck blind. And then I got my uh, hunter safety card when I was eight years old in 1980. And um, basically started with a single shot 410, and uh, I got my first duck was a, uh, a Drake Teal, and uh, I think I water sluiced it too. <laughs> as long as it was down. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, I, I I was there until uh, uh, 2021 uh, when our our family uh, sold the club, but. Um, I have been an absolute passionate duck hunter since 1980, and I live, breathe duck hunting 24-7, 365 days a year. I have a, a hobby business that I build uh, duck and goose calls. Uh, it's just one of those things that it's not really uh, a, a passion or a hobby. Duck hunting is a way of life. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able, fortunately, to – basically revolve my life around duck hunting. And I know that, that I'm not the only one that is like this. Yeah. You know, everybody that is serious about duck hunting is super passionate and, um, and it's part of their life, you know, and, and, and I would bet you that most grown men think about duck hunting more than anything (laughs) better, better passionate duck hunters. Um, so, I mean, that's just a snapshot between 1980 and, and today you know, what got me into duck hunting, but there's been, there's been, you know, it was a family affair for many, many, many years. Um, and then I started meeting mentors that would take me on trips out of state or 
to different duck clubs and kind of progressing, you know, my skill level as a duck hunter because you kind of grow up in the same place and you hunt the same pond and, and you know, you, you don't really experience things until you actually go out, whether it's public land hunting um, or, or you go out of state, you go to different lodges. Yeah, definitely. And commercial properties. But um, I, I'm just – you know, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to to the duck season's going to start and get going. <laughs> another one. This will be my 46 year. There you go. Hunting. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so in 46 years, you have any good duck blind stories that uh, you can share? Oh, I yeah, I have many, but um, I think I think the most incredible duck blind story was uh, early 2000s. It was uh, kind of like a late December morning hunt. There wasn't a whole lot going on. It was a friend of mine were, were in, in one of my duck blinds at, at my duck club. And uh, for some reason in our area, we would get a lot of Eurasian widgeon. And back back in the early 2000s, it was pretty rare to even see a Eurasian mm-hmm. widgeon in, in California. And um, I've shot seven of them at my club over my lifetime. And... Um, this story is incredible. I mean, so a buddy of mine, he, he shot and crippled a, uh, a Drake Mallard and it landed in the pond. It went into the Thule's and he, so he got out of the blind, was walking over to take his dog over there to, to fetch the, the crippled Mallard. And, um, there was a group of, uh, I don't know, it was about 12, 15 widgeon. They were doing that courtship thing, yep. kind of where they were dive bombing and flying around and, uh, he was walking across the pond and I started yelling at him because they were, they were coming over really low and really fast. And so I said, Hey, over your head. And he looked up and he pulled up and fired one shot and two widgeon came down in one shot and he was out there yelling and screaming. And I was like, what is he so excited <laughs> about? And, uh, he come walking back to the blind. He had a perfect pair of Drake Eura- Eura- Eurasian widgeon. Wow. And, um, it just, it was incredible. Uh, so he scotch doubled on a pair of Drake Eurasian widgeon. And uh, I would bet that that's probably the only time in the United States that's ever happened. Yeah, and both Drakes, too. Both Drakes yeah. in perfect condition. I mean, perfectly plumed out. That is. It was yeah. incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> and uh, I have a picture to prove it, and I was there to see it. So <laughs> that's that's awesome. my story, and I'm it's sticking to it. Definitely not a BS story. <laughs> That's awesome. What yeah. about you, John? You have any good stories? Yeah, I got they're pretty short, and I got kind of two. Um, my daughter, she got her hunter safety when she was nine, and she's always been like I always joke around, best son I ever had, you know. <laughs> and, uh, she uh, she's serving in the Navy right now. I have to always mention because uh, I'm proud of I could be of her. She's yeah, it's amazing. Yep, she's heading out to Japan here shortly. Um, anyway, she was nine and. We were fortunate enough to hunt on this awesome club. The guy's an you know, emerald benefactor, a CWA, awesome guy. You'll know who I'm talking about. Um, and we were fortunate enough to – she got to hunt her whole youth hunt there. But when she was nine, we went out there. There's really not a bad blind at this place. And she's pretty little, you know. And that day we shot almost three boxes of shells. No birds. I think she shot over my head, blew my ears out a couple times. Uh <laughs> Her, she had a bruise on her forearm right here because she was so excited she wasn't shouldering the gun. And 
you know, I probably wasn't the best mentor I could have been. I'm like, it's right there, you know. And um, anyway, you fast forward to when she was 16, and we ended up, we hunted all kinds of blinds at the youth hunt over the years. Mm-hmm. But when she was 16, we're in the same blind, and it's a different story. She's shooting a 12-gauge. She's picking out the drakes. We were done in short order. Yeah. You know, with our, and just to see the progression of that nine-year-old little girl that's just in awe you know, she still had fun, but she was bummed she didn't get any birds the first time. But seeing her at 16 where she's picking out the ducks she wants, we're waiting on the mallards. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, if she's not going to hit it, shoot a hen spray, she's going to get a trick, you know. And it just, just to see that progression and, you know, you know, it, a lot of it's her, but I had a part of it because, you know, I'm the one, mm-hmm. you know, brainwashing her sleep, playing music about duck hunting to her. But uh, that was really, really special to me. I'll, I'll always remember that last youth hunt with her. Yeah. But it was different. Now, after that, she, uh, through high school, she started going to the refuge herself with friends and stuff. And, you know, didn't hunt with dad wasn't quite as cool as that last youth hunt. But uh, I'll always remember that. And then uh, a short one with me personally. It was a couple of years. You know, I did the refuge thing for a couple of years. And then I started renting a few rice blinds. And, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of success. I kind of, you know, when you're breaking in, it's kind of hard. You just rent a whole... Yeah, you know, a hole in the field, <laughs> and you know, you hope it's good. And uh, I got in a club, the first club I was in, first storm of the year, and I was so excited because man, here I am, we got this big club, and I'm going to stay out there all weekend. And I built this little shack. I was inspired by like what I seen at the clubs down in the grasslands. Mm-hmm. They got kind of little shanties down there. And I'm like, I'm going to build me a shack that'll fit on a car trailer. I'm going to haul this thing down there. And I built this little box shack that, and I hauled it down there, and I lived in that thing. And uh, I was all pumped up. Went out, you know, storming, windy. Didn't shoot nothing that morning. <laughs> High flyers. Everybody left. I'm there by myself in the afternoon. I would go out and hunt. Blind I go to um, has a hole in it. There's like three foot of water. And I'm sitting in there, and I'm getting kind of cold. And sun's starting to come out. Wind quit blowing. I'm like, why am I doing this? Wasting all this money. And gosh, man, I really went over the top. And I'm just kind of like feeling sorry for myself, bummed. And like a sign from the heaven, here comes this Drake Mallard out of nowhere, cup dried up, stoned it. Bam, dog runs out and gets it. And, I mean, it's like I shot a limit. I was yeah. instantly happy. And literally, I've never had that poor me feeling again, whether I get skunk, don't shoot nothing. For whatever reason, that one duck, I'll always remember, it changed my attitude. For whatever reason, I was like, it doesn't matter how many I get, you know. Yeah. And have, you, just, have you shot one since? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Few and far between. Yeah, I, I mean, of course, we all got the stories about the limits in 20 minutes and shooting out yeah. of the country and all, but to me, those two just, they're always special to me, you know? Yeah, those special times that yeah. you really resonate with you. Yeah, you know? And of course, yeah, we all got a hundred of them, but those two just really always were something meant to me. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's talking about these stories is getting me ready for duck season. The, yeah. the folks listening to us right now are... Our podcast is getting filmed literally three days before the opener of the balance of the state, but we'll see how true these predictions come, but I want both your guys' predictions for the right. season, so we'll see how accurate you are because this is going to come out halfway through the season. So, Brad, what's going to be your prediction well, and why? I I drive um, I drive from the Bay Area up to Roseville a couple days a week to come to the office here, and uh, along my drive along 680, there's the Sassoon Marsh, and uh, I've probably driven – you know, since I was a kid, that route—I don't know—it could be in the thousands. Who knows? But in all of my life, I have never seen so many birds in the Sassoon Marsh as I did this morning. 
It was incredible. So, um, I mean, there's ponds along 680, close to the bay there. that I, I don't think I've ever seen a duck that were just chock full today. So um, it was one of the most promising signs I've ever seen that. And, you know, there's been birds in the yellow bypass for, what, a couple, three weeks now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's early for them to be in there, but it's also, you know, high water year. So we have we have plenty of water. Um, and so um, it's, it's looked, I mean, it's looking really good. So yeah. good prediction. You're, you're calling it a good year. I think so. You know, I had some buddies last weekend that went up to uh, Eastern Washington and, um, and it was, it was a banger up there. So that's a good early prediction that, yeah. that Eastern Washington has birds already and we have birds and, um, I don't know. I think John's already been duck hunting, haven't you, John? Yeah. You yeah. make it up to the northeast zone? Oh, yeah, northeast opener, yeah. Um, not a lot of birds up there this year. We yeah. ended up doing okay, but typically where we hunt, we see a lot more birds in the closed zone. Mm -hmm. um, it's mostly local birds you think, up there. You think with the, the, the amount of water that's in the valley and the food, you think that might have I, I, coerced the birds I was to come down? To. I was thinking that you know in the drought years where we're at, there's – there were probably more birds up there because there wasn't other places. Yeah. We got other places in the mm -hmm. valley. And during dove season, I even seen quite a few birds on the refuge. So my uh, whiskey tango prediction yeah. of the season is everybody's going to you know, knock the geese dead first off. That's the way it is. I drove out past our field. It's cut, but we ain't flooded yet. Yeah. But the field across the street that is is shoulder to shoulder. Mm -hmm. So if I had to guess, it's going to be – uh, the goose hunting is going to be the way it has been. It's going to be lights out for the guys early. Opener is going to be good for guys. And then I think we're going to go kind of into that November lull. And then I think it's kind of going to be hit and miss because we have so much water that it's, there's going to be some guys are saying, this is the best season we ever had. And then there's going to be other guys saying, man, we didn't shoot nothing. So that's my prediction. Yeah. Well, we'll see where we stand in a few weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. So I know I see a lot of stuff on, you know, social media, people post, oh, the ducks are here, the ducks are there, and there's no ducks anywhere. Um, how do you guys feel that, you know, social media and the role it's played on duck hunting recently and your guys' perspective on it and what's changed for the better and what's changed for the worse? Um, it's definitely a double-sided coin. The only reason I am on Instagram is because of duck hunting. Mm -hmm. I listened to Ramsey Russell's podcast and all these Instagram, Instagram, and I, I got to get me one of them Instagram machines. So <laughs> I got on there in no time too. And a lot of the over the top bro stuff with the pile picks and stuff like that, yeah. I don't really think it's good. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of an impression like all this high dollar gear and, you know, like it, it kind of intimidating for a guy like, man, you mean I got to spend 10 grand to go yeah, duck hunting, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, like the guys at work that we took up last week, we'll talk about that a little bit here in a bit, but um, it's like, no, you don't need all that high-dollar stuff. You can do this for pretty reasonable. You know? Definitely. So that end of it I think is bad, but there's so much, like you guys, your guys' contents often, Ducks Unlimited, Delta, because I'm a member of everything. I'm only a life mm -hmm. member of California Waterfowl, but I'm a member of all the major organizations, you know, and uh, – there's a lot of good content out there. I've met so many people too. I mean, this is how me and Brad met us through Instagram. Yeah. You know, he listened to our stupid little podcast and messaged me. And I mean, now we're 
fairly good friend. <laughs> we'll see if I can get him to buy me a beer ever, but I don't know. It depends on how you do behind a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, what's what's your thoughts on social media and where, where it's going, where it's been, and, and how it's going to play a role for us as CWA and as, you know, the, the general Joe Schmo Hunter? Yeah, I think, uh, well, first of all, CWA has done a fantastic job lately with, uh, you know, we have a, a great marketing director that's that's doing a great job with uh, with social media and marketing, and uh, I think the direction we're headed is is a positive one. Um, you know, I see I spend a lot of time on social media uh, just because of my my call business, and I, I kind of keep up with what's going on in the call industry. And mm-hmm. um, you know, what I see is the different generations and how they portray themselves on social media. So. You know, the, the younger generation, it's kind of about the pile pick and the cool look and, you know, the bro staff and, and all that. And uh, I think mine and John's generation is 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 a little more laid back. Nostalgic. Um, I like nostalgic, the nostalgic stuff, yep. you know. Yep. And, um, you know, I, what I hope to see is is that people realize it's important that we portray ourselves as a respectful uh, community um, and that we're we're respecting the animals that we're taking, uh, and they're and they're getting consumed properly, um, and that we obey by the laws. You know, there's so many factors of what's affecting our industry, our way of life, whether it's political, um, social media. Um, you know, there's there's influencers that are doing things for the good. There's influencers that are definitely doing things for the bad. And, um, and, and for me, I hope that this young generation coming up realizes soon that they have to leave a positive, uh, legacy behind them for future generations, because I can understand at their age that that's not really what they're thinking about. Yeah, definitely. I was definitely not thinking about it. We were all that age once and that doesn't cross your mind. (laughs) But, but now more than ever, we're seeing, we're seeing our way of life being chipped away and, uh, one little thing at a time, whether it's, you know, extra tax on ammo, which um, obviously just happened. And, you know, there's there's so many laws and, and regulations coming down the pipeline that it's important that we, you know, and this is kind of a song and dance that we all stick together. And but, you know, I, I don't see it. I see a lot of infighting. I see a lot of uh, different opinions out there. Uh, how do how do it? approach, um, you know, the image that we're trying to portray on social media. Uh, I just, I want to see, you know, the people like guiding the guides out there. I think the guides are, are not doing a good, a good job at portraying. I mean, not as a whole, I don't yeah. want to put all the guys guides as a whole. I mean, there's, there's, I'm going to put it, I'm going to say there's a handful of guides in California that are doing an excellent job. They're members of CWA. They contribute. They give back to the resource. They obviously take a lot from the resource, um, and they do a great job. Now, there's a whole bunch of other guides out there that aren't members of CWA. They don't give back to the resource. They're only in it for themselves and for the bottom line. And those are the guys that I hope come around in the future and decide that conservation is an important role for them and they're making a living off the industry. And um, uh, it's really frustrating in my job to see, uh, you know, these people that 
that that don't give back and the message isn't there they're not delivering the message to their clients yeah. that it's important to give back and um I hope that in my tenure here at CWA that I can spread the message and get to some of these guides and you know help them spread the word about conservation and how important it is in California and and what our mission at CWA is. Definitely and would you consider that the most frustrating part of what what is the most frustrating part of your job as, you know, the director of development? So the the most frustrating part is people I know that are diehard duck hunters. I mean just they, they grind their teeth duck hunting. That's all they do. That's all they think about. They're not even members of CWA. They, 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 some people have perceptions of CWA that we're a good old boys club or we're doing this wrong or we're doing that wrong. Well, you know what, you guys, get involved. We have a board. Come step on the board. If you, if you want to see change, come be that board member, you know, because we don't, we don't, we don't own CWA. Yeah, we work yeah. for you, you know, and uh, and by all means, our board is absolutely fantastic right now. These guys are businessmen and women. They are committed to conservation and the mission of CWA, and they represent the members. And uh, I mean, hats off to the board because uh, I'm seeing a really positive change in this organization in in the recent years, and um, and. But back to being, you know, the frustration of not being these guys that they, they might be on social media and they're complaining and or they're a guide uh, and they're complaining. And that's all they do is they complain. And, you know, I have the ability to see if they're members or not. And nine out of 10 of them are not even members. Yeah. They don't donate or they never have. And they claim they have. And it's like, come on, you guys. We have we have to protect the future, yeah. you know. And I hate to be the guy sit here and just you know grind away, but it's it's so frustrating. And it, you know, I became a life member at a young young age because I believed in what it means to protect our hunting heritage in California. And uh, I'm so proud of the guys that that do donate. There's a young group of guys in California that are really stepping up to the plate. I think in the in the next few years you'll you'll start to recognize these guys. You know, it's not just the the rich old guy, you know, pouring money. I mean, we have those guys and those are, are you know, those are our saviors. Those are the most important members. You know, there's I've always said that there's ten percent giving ninety percent to the organization. And it it, it 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 seems like that. But now that there's this younger generation, and I'm talking about thirties and forties younger generation, they're really stepping up to the plate. And and some of them are brand new hunters. Yeah. And they see the importance of um, the the mission at CWA. And we just hope to further develop those guys um, as major donors. You know, I have a major donor program pamphlet here. And, and these are the, all the major donor levels is so important to the organization because they contribute to all of our different programs. And um, I'm just proud to see these guys stepping up. Good. And so the other side of the coin, you kind of answered what's, is, is that, is that what you would qualify as most rewarding part of your job? Or do you have other things that you look forward to and you come home at the end of the day and you're like, that was awesome. Like, that's why I do what I do. Yeah. The, so the most rewarding part is meeting 
all the members in the organization, and they all have the same passion. You and I, yeah, and John, and everybody else has with duck hunting. We're so passionate about what we do, and so are all the other members. And you know, I've always said we're all the greatest duck hunters in the world, and and we all believe that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so. Um, uh, the, the most rewarding is meeting these people and seeing their passion and getting to know and developing relationship and uh, friendships. And, and it's just, I come home at night and I'm just like, we have the most awesome membership group. Yeah. You know, and, and the guys that are not awesome are probably not even in, in as members, but, yeah. but our membership group is completely awesome. And I just, I, I love them. Good. Men yeah, and women. I mean, we have lots of women members. Yeah. And uh, also, like, the staff here is just incredible. I've, yeah. I've told John in a, in a Filthy Spoon podcast that this organization is like a well-oiled machine. It's one big family. It's all it is. It, it is incredible. I mean, it, there's nobody you can't talk to. There's nobody you, you that won't do something for you yeah. if you ask them. Um, I couldn't be more proud to, to work for this organization and – um, the people leading it and, and all, all the way down to, you know, the ladies answering the phone, they're, they're awesome. Yep. No, I so, echo that all the way, yeah. all the way. I know you're talking about being on John's Filthy Spoon podcast. John, what, I know you started the podcast for, you know, being able to discuss duck hunting year round as opposed to just duck hunting during duck season. Do you think podcasting as opposed to like Instagram is going to play a role in the future for how it influences maybe the younger hunter um, I mean, you know, it's a podcast and we have video with our podcast, but some don't. So they aren't seeing those pictures, those success pictures, but do you believe just spreading the word and talking about it will have an impact on hunters? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of kids listen to podcasts and especially the uh, YouTube stuff. I mean, it's huge yeah. having the video, you know, people love that, you know, kids, especially younger people, but now I think podcasting is a great way to communicate with people especially for, you know, like something like this hunting, like there's a young guy actually went with us to the Northeast opener and he's, this guy's head. Yeah, heels. Tell, tell the story you got of the, the guy you brought out. Oh, okay. Well, you actually, we got four new CWA members and hunters out of that. Very nice. You know, over the years, over the seven years, we've probably got, I, there was four this year. So it's probably 15 guys okay. who started in duck hunting and they get the first CWA membership at that dinner. Cause we always get a table and there's like there's two of them right now they're just hooked well actually three of them one of them likes it and it's going to go but there's three of them they're driving me nuts mm-hmm. asking me how to go yeah. and, um, you know i told them your last podcast i actually sent it to him i said hey listen there's a lot of good information for new hunters and signing up for their hunts and he was stoked he's like oh that was great i'm gonna sign up and you know he's already a member and uh i it was it's just cool as heck because the owner of our company superior equipment We've done this duck hunt now seven years in a row, and he's a duck hunter. I'm a duck hunter. But other than that, a lot of these guys have either never hunted or never duck hunted. But it's kind of a team building, and every not everybody goes, but we've had a good number of guys go that we're introducing them to hunting. And it's we go to the CWA dinner up there. We have a blast. We always seem to do well in the raffles and stuff. That always helps. Yeah, Brad, <laughs> yeah, the boss, he won the 28-gauge up there last oh, week. There you go. So that was cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And these guys, it's, it feels good because I'm like, and I'm, I tell them, dude, you got to be a member of CWA. I'm telling you. In a duck hunt, this organization has your back. And 
like I say, it's, I feel pretty good about getting all these guys into it and kind of, you know, I'm old school, kind of starting them out right, you know, and they don't understand, hey, we can't chase them in the boat. That's not how we hunt. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> just teaching them, you know, and it's been a blast. And this year I think was the best with the four new guys that, and three of them are just hooked. And I'm like, yes, man. I, I told them, I said, I'm not going to be around this week because I'm deer hunting, but I promise you, I'll get you out there. I'll go to the refuge with you, kind of hunt out there, show you the ropes and, you know, so pretty, pretty exciting and it, fulfilling for me yeah i'm older and i can't have somebody had to show me you know it's super rewarding taking out new people yeah uh, especially when they're in awe over it you know yeah it's it's probably one of my favorite things because i always tell people you know i've ducked in my whole life and i've i've I, don't get me wrong i love shooting ducks but i would rather see somebody go out there for their first time and shoot a duck and see that excitement on their face and see that whole process happen and i think that's why i love what i do because i get to see that on you know, a weekly basis with our hunt program, whether it's somebody going out for their first time or their hundredth time, like when they come in on our properties and they got a smile on their face, like that's my success. I don't need to go out and shoot a limit to be happy. Um, and I know you guys feel the same way, taking yeah. out taking out a new hunter. Yeah. That new hunter shooting that first duck and you standing next to him, seeing that click yeah. in their in their head is just that's what makes it worth it at once you get to the point that we're at where, you know, we don't need to go out and shoot limits every exactly. day to be successful. Our success is passing on the, the heritage to other people. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't even take my gun out the second day. Yeah. I didn't. I just, you know. But I do got uh, one thing that happened up there to these guys, and this is a lesson for you all, and I feel horrible because I didn't remind them. One guy got a ticket for no plug in his gun. Yeah, that's something to check. And I didn't know it was innocent, and, you know, we, the, the guy was nice as could be, and it's like, guys, make sure you know. I felt so bad that I didn't remind him. He had an old 870, and he thought it was in there, and I didn't. Because normally when I got new guys, I remind them. Yeah. You know, hey, make sure you got your license on you. You know, we got, you know, ain't got no lead here, you know, and all the rules, and I didn't remind them, and I felt horrible, you know. So the game warrants, we just a game warrant at the boat ramp we pulled up. No big deal. We're legit, you know. I don't got nothing to be nervous, and starts checking guns, hand them over, and uh-oh. But he'll never forget that, I can tell you that, yeah. you know. And it's the guy that warden was really – cool about it and i apologized to him i said these guys are new i took him out i'm sorry and uh he was really i mean he still gave a ticket he was smiling the whole time he wrote it but uh he was he was very nice he could he could have you know confiscated his gun if he wanted no, to definitely yeah they can give him the right act it was, federal, it was a federal game warden, yeah so. and he was really cool and like i say i said i apologize you know and uh luckily he went easy on him you know but uh lesson to everybody make sure you're legit you know yeah that's so. number one thing especially for the new hunters out there know your regs know your rules know know what you're doing before you go out and unfortunately you know that's a part of our hobby that's that's a hard hill to get over is to make sure you're within all those legal boundaries but yeah if, it, it is our responsibility as a mentor oh 100 as a mentor yeah horrible to, yeah. to go over the rules and the regulations and gun safety and I mean, we could talk a whole podcast about gun safety. I mean, I feel bad, not bad enough yeah. to pay the ticket for him, but I mean, <laughs> I do feel bad about it. You owe him a few hunts down yeah, the road. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, well, yeah. But uh, no, it just, it was a horrible yeah, Don't situation. forget to check his plug next time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's never going to, yeah, every year he's going to hear about it now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we like uh, razzing each other. So, yeah, he's going to hear about this every hunt we go on the rest of the, forever. So, <laughs> yeah, no, well, that's. So I had a cool weekend, if I could share. Yeah, no, 100%. This last weekend. So um, uh, I took my daughter deer hunting, 
And uh, or is this California set? No, make we, the setting. We we were out of state. Okay. Uh, this has been in plan for year, year and a half. She'd gone to summer camp at, where they shot rifles at long distances. So she was proficient at 500 yards with a 6.5 Creedmoor at 12 years old. So I felt confident that this was the year. She's 14. She could she could take a deer. And um, so I put in for tags out of state and um, and. We flew out, and this was a self-guided hunt. Uh, it was just me and her, but I did have access to some private property, and um, and we hunted hard for two days. And on finally on on Sunday afternoon, uh, we decided that instead of you know all the walking we were doing, and you know we'd jump some bucks and nothing crazy, but just a lot of walking. And uh, we set up on a edge of an alfalfa field, and. Uh, just sort of waited and glassed and because you know, there's hills in the background and and uh, she spotted a, a a small buck and uh, we watched it and watched it get closer and and then it was about 188 yards and but it wasn't it wasn't the perfect shot and she just said I I, I want to wait and I said you know I think they're going to come down for some munchies here in the field so and they and they did they uh, they hopped the fence and there was three of them and um, she took all 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 the time in the world she had, she took her deep breath. She was on a shooting stick and, uh, she was shooting that 6.5 Creedmoor. And, um, as soon as it turned broadside, it, you know, I said, anytime you're ready. And no sooner did I say that. (laughs) (laughs) And a perfect shot right through the lungs. Deer did a classic kick and I kind of stood there. And, uh, so I, I told her to put another one in and she, uh, the biggest cloud of dust, from underneath the deer. <laughs> I knew she missed. And uh, she goes, uh, she goes, daddy, why don't you finish it off? And I go, no, 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 you can do it. And so she, uh, she put another one in and put it down. It was, it was like the perfect scenario. I mean, father, father, daughter, you know, I couldn't be more proud. It was Is that uh, the f- her first deer and the first, first time you've been with her when her she's harvested first, something. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. What's that feeling like? Uh, it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. It's, you know, it's right up there with, uh, when she was born, you know, that feeling when your, your child's born and you're just like, Oh my gosh, you know, it was incredible. So, um, so yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting and I don't, you know, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but you know, she went to school yesterday and was showing some of her friends and (laughs) we live in the Bay area and, and, uh, and, and the reaction she got was very mixed. And I think, um, you know, th- and this this could go on to a whole nother subject, but I think we're in a little bit of trouble with society accepting, you know, a 14-year-old girl going out and shooting a deer and harvesting meat for the family and uh, learning the skills it takes to to process the deer and to respect the animal and, and, and so forth because, um, you know, she got a little bit of heat from her friends. So so we're working on, on conveying a... Um, a, a positive message yeah. to the public. And so that's important in our family. And that that's all you can do, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yep. yeah. John, do you have any, any stories like that? I know you talked about your daughter when she was 12 and 16. As yeah. I, uh, I kind of ruined her on deer hunting. I think. <laughs> it a, wasn't the perfect image like Brad had. Now, uh, <laughs> she, when she was 12, she got her first, we got a either sex tag and we went out and we, we shot. She was, you know, super tight groups. Everything was good. And uh, 
we had a couple opportunities, and I don't know if she just didn't want to shoot the deer. Yeah. But she completely missed them, like three opportunities. And uh, she said she never wanted to deer hunt again, and she hasn't. Yeah. Duck hunting. And you got to respect it. You know, you can't force them to do what they don't <laughs> exactly, want to do. Exactly. Exactly. I never forced her to do anything. She she loved turkey hunting. We did a lot of yeah. turkey hunting. She got quite a few turkeys and then ducks. But other than that, yeah, the I don't know if it's just too big. Didn't want to shoot Bambi, and she's yeah. not a very girly girl, but she just, you know, maybe later in life she'll pick it up. Yeah. But, uh, no, I can tell you the first time she got a turkey because she was nine. I think that was before. Might have been right after that first duck season she hunted. That was a pretty exhilarating moment when she got yeah. that first turkey. Oh. You know, it's like I say, that's, like you say, the only thing you can compare it to is when they're born. You yeah. Know? So... That's awesome. Well, yeah. we're we're running a little short on time. Do you guys have any closing remarks for today for the podcast you'd like to add in? I just I appreciate y'all having me here. Of course. Um, it's cool. I'm glad you guys finally got one up and going. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, better late than never. We're we're gonna probably have you come back halfway through the season. We'll replay your prediction, see where I, we're I'd at. I'd like to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see. I don't know. I I think I might be on to something, but uh I say I, I recommend everybody give the Filthy Spoon podcast yeah, a definitely. listen. Follow us on Instagram or uh, Filthy Spoon 530 podcast. Um, you know, we talked all kinds of cool. This knucklehead has been on there with me a couple times. and There you go. We just talk, have fun. It's We joke a lot. so it's, it, And it's what, would you say rated R maybe? Yeah, a little bit. We don't <laughs> get so, too. So, so there's a, a viewer listening warning, just, just a heads up. <laughs> yeah. We don't get really vulgar, but yeah, we go back into some stories when, you know, I haven't always been It's kind of like club, a duck clubhouse talk, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, a little bit. Not a vulgarity so much, but yeah, you might, you know, a little language here and there, but it's all in good fun. We have, you know, we've talked to a vast different, we've talked to a couple of young 18, 19 year old kids that are doing the refuge thing, mm-hmm. some, you know, older guys, some beer makers who are big farmers, beer fans. Yeah. So we've talked to some of them, salesmen and. It's just been fun, Good. and I, I love doing it. And like I say, it, I mean, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right yeah. now if I was doing it. So and I recommend everybody give her a listen, see what you think. Awesome. And if you don't like it, you know, leave me a bad review and tell me I suck. You know, there you go. Whatever. Hey. You know, I just want the truth. You know? As long but, as you get honesty. <laughs> exactly. So, Brad, uh, what about yourself? Well, I mean, uh, um, I think I just – I mean, I just want to portray the message to the guys on social media, like the guys that are doing – doing the good out there, keep doing the good. And hopefully, you know, guys that if, if you want to, to reach out to me, uh, if you're a guide or you're, uh, you're somebody that makes a living off the resource, renting blinds, um, reach out to me. I'm, I'm available anytime. Uh, I will come to your property. I will come visit you. I will talk to you about CWA and our programs and what we do and think about <clears throat> giving back to the resource and what it means, not tomorrow, but 10, 20, 30 years from now. And what is California going to look like when we're gone and we leave a legacy behind for our children and, and our grandchildren? And I also want to let the members know that anytime you have an issue with CWA, whether it's good or bad, call me. Like, yeah, I am the I'm the one that's going to talk your ear off and and uh, um, you know maybe drive you even nuts, telling you more <laughs> than you want to hear. I mean, that's uh, that's that's my job. I, I want everyone in this organization to feel like they can reach. I mean, if they got to call somebody, call me. Um, and it's starting to happen. I'm starting to get people calling me just out of the blue, and 
you know, that sometimes the conversations are five minutes or 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I love to tuck dock, tuck dock, talk <laughs> duck hunting. And I love to, um, uh, talk about the organization and how we can raise money for the ducks and, um, improve the infrastructure of waterfowl management in California. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys yeah. both coming out here and talking on the podcast. And like I said, hopefully we'll have you back here soon. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys. Right. Thank you guys. All right. Thanks. My name is Carson. Thanks for watching the Save It for the Blind podcast here at the CWA Roseville headquarters. You can find this podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found.